those moments don't happen a lot in life. You know, like everything that you worked for, all those hours that you put in, all those nights that you could have went out with your friends, but you stayed in and, and worked on your craft, or you woke up early and went to the gym or whatever. You know, all those times you went, you didn't want to, it was the last thing you wanted to do, but you went and lifted weights or you went and ran or whatever, you know, and finally it comes to that moment you get that phone call and it's like, hey, you get to be on an NFL roster. Like, mind-blowing shit. gentlemen welcome to another installment of your favorite podcast real conversations with cozy murph i'm your host cody murphy i'm here with my co-host the amazing the wonderful the grand jd kozad <laughs> the crowd goes wild today we'll be we will be discussing the nfl draft a little bit on the NBA playoffs, some baseball talk, some current events, and whatever else we can think of. So hold on to your seats because we're ready for liftoff. Yeah, NFL draft wrapped up. A lot of big winners. Or I don't know. Everybody does this thing where we all – jump to draft grades and being hyped over shit and we really won't even know anything about any of these players for years like it's right. really really even worth the investment exactly and that's why i mean it's fun because there's nothing there's nothing going on you know like there's no football games i guess the xfl actually the xfl the playoffs are going on right now i haven't been watching it but I know some people who do watch it, and they they say it's pretty entertaining this year. But anyway, with the NFL, you know, they have to hype up every offseason event because they're trying to get people excited for the next season. So you have all this hype train around these players getting drafted, teams looking to pick, fill pieces on their roster. So it's a good – it's like a good, you know – thing to get excited for but at the end of the day it's like you said we're not going to know if any of these guys pan out for two three four five years so it's always fun to see where all the uh all the good players are going to go the quarterbacks especially pretty much everybody turns it off as soon as all the quarterbacks are gone and then you just kind of look for your updates on the guys that come from your school or whatever team you root for that's pretty much what i did after the first round i was like well that's the draft. Yeah, I didn't watch it after the first round. Party looked sick in Kansas City, though, from all the stuff that I've seen. Like, it was packed. And yeah. I feel bad for – uh, crap. Why? I've been talking about him all day, and I forgot his name. <laughs> Will Levis. I feel bad oh. for Will <laughs> Levis, bro. I told everybody, though, like, because I talk with – Trey, Seth, and uh, Brady all the time, and they're big UK guys. And I kept telling them, for the best of Levis, is for him to fall. Just accept that he's going to fall now. Don't get your hopes up that he's going to be a top 10 draft pick. I didn't expect him to fall all the way out of the first round, which feel for the guy because his agent's a dumbass and said, hey, <laughs> you're going to go sit in Kansas City and have the cameras on you. Like they did uh, Aaron Rodgers all the way back in the day. Just every time they pan to him, his girlfriend's like, I'm about to leave your ass. I am about to leave Shit. <laughs> yeah, right. She was the highlight, though. Did you see her? I mean, yeah, she's fine. It's like, <sighs> but, I yeah, I mean, I feel like people got too hype. I, especially people in, like, the UK eco chamber. That's with the best quarterback we've had in, you know, years. And so people want to 
get on the hype train and say, oh, we're going to have a first-round draft pick, first-round quarterback, blah, 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 which, you know, he has all the intangibles, but I think his decision-making, the ultimate factor is his decision-making on the field just what not up to par. And so, and also some things that I read and heard is that he kind of bombed in the interview process. Like, I don't know if it was just him having like a quirkiness or maybe an arrogance about him that really doesn't translate well to an NFL locker room. That's just some of the things that I had heard about or read about kind of what was going on behind the scenes and might, maybe that's could be the reason behind why he fell. I really, honestly though, I thought Indianapolis was going to take him at four. I wasn't expecting them to take Anthony Richardson, but they went, they went ahead with Richardson because I think he has a, he's like the, he's like the direction that the QB position is going in the NFL, you know, athletic, strong, black can, you know, like if you just look at it, CJ Shroud, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, the top three quarterbacks taken. So they're all kind of the same play style. If you think about it. Move. I'm not saying, but, um, but Will Levis has those, those qualities as well. I just think that maybe he need to be humbled a little bit because he, maybe he had gotten too high up on his horse or whatever, however you want to say it. That's what I think too. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a very talented player. Like, and he'd probably kick my ass if I ever like, you know, tried to fight him or whatever. He's absolutely jacked. I just, I think there was something about him that drove teams away. And I know like there's an, a level of excitement to getting drafted, but it irked me the video I seen of him when he actually got drafted. It was almost. I didn't even see it. It's so he's there on the couch and his whole family's there. And he like, I could see the air come out of him. He could finally breathe like, okay, I got drafted. And then it turned into this. And I'm not trying to judge the guy. So don't kill me. Whoever listens to this, it looks childish when he jumps up and screams at the TV, like basically muscle flexing, you know, let's go. Like you're at home now you're with your family. I mean, it just seemed like it was for the camera almost childish because there was such a delay before it happened. I don't know. I've never been drafted, so I don't, I can't say how I would react, but from an outsider's perspective, that's how it looked. Yeah. He's, um, I think he's definitely a character from everything that, um, I mean, everybody at Kentucky loved him though. So he can't, you know, can't really hold anything against him. Did you see um, where uh, Malik Cunningham got uh, undrafted free agent right to the P- Patriots as soon as the draft ended? No. That scares me a little bit. I hate that. Bill Belichick's up to something sneaky. Because I feel like Malik Cunningham, it, I don't, do you know who that is? I've heard the name, but I don't know. He's that quarterback out of Louisville. The one oh, yes, 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 yes. So – Freaking Belichick went and grabbed him, and he just—I don't know, man. There's just something, something he's working there. And instantaneously, as soon as the draft's over, he goes and grabs him. Like that's—I well, watch it be that sneaky pick, that move that Belichick makes to save his, save his franchise. Because I don't—I thought they were going to take a quarterback. Yeah, uh, no. I mean, I think they like Mac Jones. They just have to figure out their offense. Josh McDaniel kind of screwed him whenever he left. And so now they don't really have – because Belichick was never an offensive guy. Last year they had Matt Patricia and the judge guy who was the coach for the Giants for a little bit, Joe Judge. And they had uh, yeah Patricia, which I don't know if he saw this, the damn Eagles. Yeah, hired Matt Patricia, defensive assistant, whatever that means. I'm not even going to go there. We just 
Uh, maybe they're just stealing because he's still. I think he's still on the Giants or no, on the Lions payroll, so we don't got to pay him. But I know it's what New England did. They don't have to pay him, or jo- they didn't have to pay him or Joe Judge, so they brought him in. But, I don't know. We we got rid of uh, Gannon, and I thought we were going to bring in you know some kind of great mind for defense. And so is Patricia going to be the the defensive coordinator? Or is he just like a position coach? I believe he's gonna like he's gonna be that. We haven't really assigned a diff- no. Who was it? We did bring in somebody. I forgot. But I don't know. I think he's gonna be like an assistant. I don't think he's gonna be a position coach. He's just kind of gonna be there. I'm hoping he just stands there and doesn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Hope he just fades into the background. I know that I texted you when the draft was happening and. One of the sad, sadder moments for myself because I really wanted this player was Bijan Robinson, and he ended up on your Falcons. Yeah, we're- very questionable decision by the Falcons. I felt like maybe that's the last thing you guys needed, but great pick. I mean, at the sl- at the time, it's like the best player available. So right. I mean, we if you look at the Atlanta's offense. All we're missing really is a quarterback. I mean, I know our offensive line isn't great, but we've got Kyle Pitts, who's a tight end, but he, you know, basically a wide receiver. Uh, Drake London, wide receiver. And then we've got um, Algiers. He was a rookie. He had a great year last year, running back. Then we got Bijan, just drafted him, rookie, running back. And so we've got weapons. We just don't really have a – Quarterback, I know we've got that Ritter kid, but we, we didn't get to see much from him last year. So, I don't know. And then we signed Taylor Heineke in the offseason. So, I, d- I like Taylor Heineke. I liked him with um, Washington. Yeah. I think the Panthers did a really good job. I mean, obviously, you get the number one selection, you're going to start off good. But they've they've not just at the draft, they've – went this offseason and constructed a really good offense. Um, yeah, they hired Frank Reich. Yep, and they've got uh, – they went and took Miles Sanders from the Eagles, Adam Thielen from the Vikings, picked up Hayden Hurst. Yeah, they've got a nice little squad going. Yeah. It's like it's, – it's kind of set up, to be honest. And I'm, I mean, they're gonna, they're, they're gonna. I feel like they're gonna do better than Atlanta because Atlanta doesn't have a defense right now. That's the thing I thought you guys were gonna go after, which threw my mind. We did draft some defensive guys, but I thought we was gonna go for. I thought we were gonna go first round defense. Yeah, I thought you guys were gonna end up taking uh, Jalen Carter, but it makes sense for him to get his ass out of Georgia. Yeah, there's too much trouble in there for him. Too much trouble he could get in. Speaking of, and I'll say my my piece. Everybody just, you know, show some love to Howie Roseman and the Philadelphia Eagles for having the best draft possible. I mean, we've uh, we basically have the 2021, 2022. 2023 Georgia Bulldogs defense all the way across the back end. We literally have every single defensive piece known to man. Yeah, I feel like that's that's your uh, pipeline right there for Philadelphia. You go Philadelphia from Athens, Georgia, Philadelphia. It's, Athens, Georgia, Philadelphia. It's crazy. And somehow we got Nolan Smith too and Jalen Carter. And they went and got uh, that Keely Ringo guy in the fourth round, which – He's dog too, bro. I'm, I'm excited. Oh, and DeAndre Swift. He's a Georgia Bulldog, which it's like that was. I know it's crazy <laughs> when you think about it. Like so, my God. And we took two of them last year. Uh, I can't remember the, the linebackers. Both of them. It's, it's crazy how many. Oh, hey, I ain't, I ain't a Georgia Bulldog fan, but you might be though. Come on down. I'm mean, I'm cheering for him now. I mean, it might as well be. It was good, though. Um, I really enjoyed watching, kind of keeping up with the draft. I did more so with 
tuning in to Pat McAfee show, which I'll say on this too, I was watching that and I feel like everybody was watching it. We were about 20 minutes ahead of every pick. You were because you texted me Bryce Young. I was watching it on ESPN and you texted me Bryce Young first overall and they hadn't even started like the clock or anything. They were still like Roger Goodell was still doing his introductions and stuff. Which on ESPN, was, so it was because um, on Twitter, okay, it's a uh, Sham Sharania, the NBA insider. Mm-hmm. He was tweeting out the picks as he was getting them, and they were about twenty minutes ahead from them getting on stage. He was tweeting them out as he was getting them, and he did it all the way up through like pick nine or ten before he stopped doing it and realized like everybody was coming at his throat. Like, Hey, you're this far ahead of the TV. I'm assuming when you're a big reporter for whatever, you don't really check your mentions like that. But I'm guessing somebody got to him and was like, Hey, you're uh you're kind of ruining this whole draft because I was texting with that group chat of guys that I'm in. And I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe they took blah, blah, blah. They're like, they haven't even announced that they're on the clock yet. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I feel like that's always a an issue when the draft comes because like that's the whole the whole point of it is like seeing who gets drafted and then if somebody has reported it twenty minutes before the you know the official broadcast has has released it then it kind of ruins the moment for everybody. But hey, just get on Twitter if you're really that concerned about it, you know. Unfortunately, I have notifications set up all across Twitter for various accounts like yeah like Sean that's what's cool about Twitter is you can customize your your notifications for whatever event you want to pay attention to and Twitter is one of the best sources for real time information because I tell people Twitter is the news Twitter is the news if you want unfiltered real news just circulate Twitter and for people are always like, well, I don't like Twitter. And it's like, it's way better than Facebook because on Facebook, it's just too easy to share. I, I don't know. I mean, I like Facebook. Don't get me wrong, but I wouldn't go. It's not like the best for news. If you actually want straight from the source, you know, primary source news, you want to go to Twitter. Yeah. You know, if you just want to get on there and look at funny memes and videos, then Facebook's better. But, but I don't know. I'm a big Twitter guy. Me too. But anyway, um, what I was going to say about the draft is regardless of, you know, wh- what team you root for, or college, NFL, whatever, it's always cool to see these young men reach their dreams, you know, because that was my dream back in the day was to be drafted in the NFL I mean, not even be drafted, but just to get the opportunity to play professional football would would have been awesome, yeah. you know. So like getting watching these guys, you know, achieve their dreams—that's what it's all about, really. You know, it's a very heartwarming moment. I seen, um, and we are a acclaimed cowboy hating podcast, but the one of the scouts for. The Cowboys, I don't know if you saw this, is he's NFL scout and he calls his son to let him know that he's drafted. His son is Deuce Vaughn from Kansas State, that little beast running back. Yeah. And, you know, the, it, it almost made me tear up because he's like, hey, you, you know, how's it sound? You come to work with me tomorrow. And. Like, I'm, I'm tearing up. You can hear it in my voice. I'm tearing up. But he's like, you know, it's like one of those moments, like, not only did your his, your son achieve the dreams, it's like uh, being that father right there. I can't even imagine the feeling for the both of them. Just It's almost like, you know, he his dad got his foot in the door, and he held the door open for him. That was just one of those heartwarming moments. And then you see all the, the videos with people with their families and stuff or – there was the one where Howie Roseman called the guy and it was like pick 242 and the, the uh, kid didn't think he was going to get drafted. And he answered the phone and he said, hey, this is Howie Roseman, the Philadelphia Eagles. And he goes, 
oh my god, I'm gonna be an eagle. And his mom's in the background, like, he's gonna be an eagle, screaming. And it, it just mm-hmm. it touches your heart, dude. It's yeah, a very heartwarming thing. So I can't it's even, cool. I can't even imagine the you getting that phone call. Just with, it's like everything you worked for is right there. Right, everything like. Those moments don't happen a lot in life, you know, like everything that you worked for, all those hours that you put in, all those nights that you could have went out with your friends, but you stayed in and and worked on your craft or you woke up early and went to the gym or whatever. You know, all those times you went, you didn't want to is the last thing you want to do, but you went and lifted weights or you went and ran or whatever, you know, and finally it comes to that moment. You get that phone call and it's like, hey. You get to be on an NFL roster. Like, mind-blowing shit. I would definitely ball like a little... I would ball like a little baby. I might hold it together on the phone, right? As they said, like, congratulations. That's probably when it would... Yeah, I'm going to have to hang that phone up real quick. It's like, yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> Back my Yeah. Ride. Damn, good for them. I'm happy for all those guys, man, you know? Being yeah. former athletes, retired old guys... We uh, we know the work that goes in, even if, you know, we didn't make it that far, but we still understand the level of dedication that it takes to get there. It's, it's, it's unreal. And the media doesn't understand that. They never see that stuff. You don't see what's going on behind the scenes with these guys. You don't know their personal lives. They don't know what they put in to get there. So, I mean, some of these guys just had their lives change with a phone call. Now they can... Well, not just their lives, but like their families' lives too. Yeah, because they're going to be making generational money. Some of these guys are like not all, not all of them, but like your first round guys, they're making millions. Oh yeah. So they just, I mean, a single phone call changed the whole trajectory of somebody's family. There's no more, you know, mama working two jobs. There's no more having to get a ride to practice. It's like go get you a car and. Get ready to get you a place. You're moving down to camp. Yeah. Fly your mom out for the first game. Like, that's a, it's got to be a feeling. Unlike anything in this world, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Can't imagine. I should have worked harder. That's all it's selling me. It's like, I should have worked. I I shouldn't have played video games in college, damn it. That's what it's telling me. Well, yeah, I mean, just doesn't happen. You could have, be the most talented person, but, a lot of it comes down to just luck and where where the pieces fall. For yeah. it's just not in the cards for some people. You could be the best recruit in America, but you know whether it's the pressure gets to you or something happens with your family and you have to take away from your athletic career to go, you know, make money. I mean, there's all kinds of things that that factor into the culmination of achieving this dream. So. It's just, it's cool to see people, like you said, like the heartfelt reactions and stuff. And um, another thing is now they start all over. Like they might've been the big dude on campus. You know, there's, there might've been the junior or senior upperclassman, big dude, big fish in the, in the pond. But now, you know, you're the low man on the totem pole. Now you're a rookie. So you have to, it's a whole new league. So you now you have a whole new proving ground you have to run through yeah you went from you have to you have to build yourself back up yeah Yeah. you're you're now you're now on a a real small pond and everybody's a a fish that can eat you you everybody's a shark yeah you're a little guppy yeah you better swim fast it's like the pat mcafee says i don't know i keep bringing him up but i that guy if you guys haven't listened to his podcast dude tune in because there's something about when you listen to somebody and there's so much electric energy, like it just it rolls through you. You know what I'm saying? But it's his voice. He has like a real grovelly voice, and and he has like a like a WWE announcer type voice. That's what it is. He's, he's WWE, but he says, uh, "Well, I'm sure a lot of people say this, but it's where I've heard it. It's like you go from being the all star." And now you're on the all-star team with the rest of the all-stars. And every team in the NFL is an all-star team playing another all-star team. And we right. like what that, you- it's 
It's like these are the best of the best. And and it always plays back to I didn't mean to cut you off, it plays back to what you're saying. Like this is so rare. Like this draft night is so rare to get that phone call. It's um, two hundred and forty two people in the world or two hundred and seventy some people are gonna get a phone call that says, Hey, you are on this team. There's what, seven, nine, eight billion, something like that in the world. 250 of them got a call. Yeah. I mean, less than 1% of anybody who, who plays football is going to go to the NFL. So, you know, to be in the top 270 and the main, and the, and the cool thing is you don't even have to get drafted to make it to the NFL to, to be a big time star in the NFL yep. or any sport, really. A lot of um, a lot of guys go undrafted and are have good, solid professional careers. Yeah, especially now with all those other leagues opening up too. Like, there's a chance right. for all kind. You could go play in the XFL now, and I know stadiums aren't going to sell out, but you're still going to play. And but to, that's exposure, though. That's game yeah. thing. Like they're going to turn this into the minor leagues, essentially, of the NFL, which is a huge huge stepping stone to where it was like college was the minor leagues. And now you can go play in the, the minor, minor leagues. It's like single a ball. Yeah. I mean, I, it's only, I feel like it's only a matter of time before the NFL, uh, you know, buy, buys the XFL and turns it into like a farm system. Yeah. Have each it just be affiliated with a certain oh, team. Well, what I think needs to happen and I mean, this is just me speaking. I don't know anything, but what they need to do is because they had you have the USFL too. You have the XFL and the USFL. What the NFL should do is buy both of those leagues, combine them, and then have a spring league that comes out. You know, like they do now with the XFL, USFL, and then in the fall, that's when you have you know your tryouts, those guys can come and try. I have open tryouts for, you know, these teams and then see who can make an NFL roster. Yeah. Or like that spring league, you know, the best players from the spring league, they get a camp invite. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Hey, you were the best, one of the best, the top five offensive linemen in the XFL this spring. Here's your reward. You get a camp invite. Come, See if you can hang. See if you're good enough to make the roster. That's a. I feel like that'd be a good idea. I'm gonna put you in for NFL commissioner. Yeah, Goodell, I'm coming for your job. I'm gonna put you in a suit. Coming. When's the last time you wore a suit and tie? God, I don't know. <laughs> probably. I can't even. Probably prom. Yeah. Senior prom. I mean a full tux, yeah, probably senior prom. I've wore like slacks and a and a button up shirt and a tie and stuff, but not like a full like yeah. vest, you know, suit, blazer, all that good shit, dress shoes. I think I've done it like twice in my whole life. Three times in my whole life when I think about it. Next time um, I'll do it'll probably be my wedding. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I'll probably probably be my wedding. Be the last time. I just, I'm just not into that formal, formal wear. Which I'm about to tell the story, but in high school, there was a kid that wore suit and tie or, you know, on Fridays he would dress down and wear like slacks and a button up, but he did this every single day in high school. And now he's like running for government positions, trying to become the mayor of Ohio and stuff. And I was like, well, you dress for the job you want. I wore sweats and uh, t-shirts most days, so I work at a gym. Hell yeah! <laughs> it's like I should have been more like him. I should have wore a baseball uniform in class. <laughs> should have wore full pads and helmet. Did you ever wear your uniform to school? We well, like on game days we wore a jersey, but like. Okay, no. distinctly, I remember, like, I can't remember, it was fourth or fifth grade, and I would wear my baseball uniform to school if we if I had a game that day, and it'd be, like, 6 p.m. game, and this was, like, Little League, bro. 
So it wasn't like you didn't have time to go home and change. Yeah. You like just was, wanted to wear your fucking uniform to school. Yeah. Like I would a weirdo. Have my, I was that kid, bro. And I would be on the playground. I remember to this day distinctly, I would practice my pitching on the playground. And this girl would come up to me all the time and say, you suck. Why are you even trying? You suck. I, wow. I remember her name and everything to this day. I'm sure she's pleasant. Yeah, she's uh she got a couple kids and she ain't never left hometown and you know. Yeah, you know. She's just a hating ass bitch is yeah, what you're saying. Hating ass bitch. I know your name, but I won't say it out of respect. <laughs> <laughs> Let's transition. Yeah. Congratulations to everybody that was drafted. We'll say it again. We love everybody and we all know that the Eagles won the draft. Moving forward. I guess, yeah. <laughs> Maybe they'll have enough to beat Kansas City Shut next the year. Fuck up. Shut the fuck up, all right? There is a lady down the street that flies a Kansas City Chiefs flag out front of her house. And many times I've considered when I'm, you know, going by to get out or get off or walk by and pull that fucking flag down and burn it right where it lay. Because fuck. Them. It's like, what are you doing as a Chiefs fan all the way the fuck out here? Bitch. <laughs> Damn it. Tell me how you really feel. Fuck. All right, NBA playoffs. Yes. Did you watch game seven? Warriors, Kings. That was tonight. It's fucking bullshit. You want me, you want me to go in on the Warriors? I want to know why you hate Steph Curry so much. He's like the most likable NBA player. Let me tell you, that's, that's fucking why. He's like a good guy. Yeah, fuck him. I like, I like. You like the villains? You like, like KD? Yeah, KD's a dog. KD's a little. He's he's weak. Dude, the NBA is fucking rigged. First Steph Curry. I don't want to hear nothing otherwise. They play the Lakers. How is that rigged? Yeah, and they'll probably fucking sweep the Lakers because really- no, I think I don't think they'll beat the Lakers. I think I think the Lakers, well, Lakers make it to the Western Conference Finals. They really could, which is crazy. I think they I think they get okay. So the next series is Golden State versus the Lakers. I feel like the Lakers win that. I think that Denver's gonna win against Phoenix in five. I'll give I'll give I'll give Phoenix one game. Did you watch Did you watch that game one yesterday? They fucking dominated. They were they were dominating that game the entire time. I mean, Jamal Murray looked unstoppable. Jokic looked unstoppable. Michael Porter Jr. was doing his thing. I love Jamal Murray, but keep going. So I think that Denver wins that series, and then it'll be Denver and LA Lakers in the Western Conference Finals, and I think Denver wins in seven. I yeah, I think I think they I think the Lakers just kind of run out of gas. Yeah, because uh, you know LeBron's old AD's kind of banged up, trying to get him healthy. And outside of those two, they don't. I mean, Hachimura's been playing out of his mind, but he can't keep it up at, at that clip. You know, been playing too good. Reeves has been playing out of his mind. D'Angelo Russell's been playing pretty well. I mean, not pretty well. He's been playing really good. Yeah. So I don't know. I think, I think the Lakers. I, I mean, but the Warriors, they're just they got a bunch of hoopers, man. Like they don't have anybody outside of Steph Curry that's like super dominant. But they all just ball. You know what I'm saying? Like they all just like plays fucking hard. They've got closers. They've got. Guys that can finish games. That's what these playoffs are, bro. I feel like NBA playoffs is who can close out the fourth quarter and fuck the Warriors, but they've got a team full of guys that in the fourth quarter, third quarter, second half, or even to start the game, just come out and put it on you and then do it all the way through the fucking end of the game. It's like there is no second for you to catch your breath. It's like when you watch guys guard Steph Curry – you feel for him, bro, because this guy 
runs 10 and a half fucking miles on a court. It's like, that's the reason I hate him because I watch him play and I go, if I had to guard this guy, I would never play basketball ever again because I'm out of breath in a minute and a half trying to chase this motherfucker. Yeah, he's constantly moving. Well, that's what makes him so good is that he's constantly on the move. He's never stationary or sitting still. And if he gets near the basket, like he's, it's pretty much a done deal. Like he's going to lay it in and probably get fouled. And then if he gets even the slightest bit of, of space beyond the three point line, he's going to like, he's going to pull and you know, he's the best shooter of all time. But outside of Steph Curry, what I was kind of getting at is you look at the golden States roster and all those guys are pretty much the same player interchangeable almost to a certain degree. Like, Wiggins, Poole, then you got uh, Gary Payton Jr. You've got uh, what's that guy's name? The redheaded dude, the the Diva Divincenzo. Divincenzo, yeah. Yeah, and then you've got uh, Kaminga comes off the bench. You got really their only post player. Oh, you got Draymond, which Draymond's kind of a hybrid post player, wing player. But then you've got Kevon Looney. He's one of the best rebounders in the playoffs right now. He he had three games that series where he had 20-plus rebounds. I mean, who else is doing that besides Jokic, AD, Embiid, Giannis, which I don't even think Giannis – I don't know. If, I know Giannis was out for most of the first round, so. Yeah. But they, you and then you have on top of that, you have Steve Kerr, who's like an all-time – one of the all best coaches of the last 10, 20 years. How much does coaching really matter in the NBA, though? That's a great question. Well, when you get in the playoffs, I feel like it matters. It's just another degree of separation between teams that are good regular season teams and then teams that are going to go to the finals. Yeah, that makes sense. Because there's been some all-time great regular season teams that didn't make it past the first round. And I think a lot of that comes down to coaching and matchups. I, I mean, like you're the Warriors Laker matchup. I do. I think that's better. That's the best scenario for the NBA. Yeah, that would be really fun to watch. <clears throat> but I also think that they, the NBA, I mean, this is a conspiracy. But I mean, really, is it that big of a conspiracy that they get, they paved the way for the Lakers to get in? Mm. Now, I'm not saying that they. I'm not saying that they gave them the first round. I'm just saying, like, they were – I can't remember how many games out after the All-Star break. And then they – and then LeBron goes out for, like, two weeks after the All-Star break. And somehow they magically make the play up, the play in. And the Mavericks tank so they don't have to make it. Yep. You know, like, doesn't that seem a little fishy to me? And then the NBA, and then the NBA comes out and is like, "Oh, we're going to investigate the Mavericks because they didn't, they didn't try to make the play-in game." Well, they were going to take the Lakers' spot if they would have won, you know, X amount of games. Damn! Look at you connecting the dots. And another thing is the free throw differential. I don't know if I talked told you this, but in the like before leading up to the playoffs, but there was a stat that came out that was like the Lakers free throw differential was like 150 more than the next team. Like they had shot more free throws than any other team by, by like 150 more. Yeah. You can't tell me this shit's not rigged. So that's, that's fucking, you know, fishy. 150 is so many free throws. That's like an extra, what is that? If they, even if they shoot 80% or 70%, that's another 100, 105 points. Right. I mean, that's a whole game's worth of wow. points. That's so, absurd. It's weird that the, that the Lakers have that stat. Well, and we're, I, we're rooting for Lakers-Warriors just for the fucking sake of the NBA because it'll yeah. probably be a seven-gamer. You get the headlines. You get the yeah. I mean, it's LeBron versus Steph. Everybody wants to see that. It'll be a legacy matchup, and this will make Steph better than LeBron. Blah 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 blah. Shut the fuck up. 
Well, what about our other series we got? Yeah, all we care about in this world is if Jimmy Butler gets his damn ring because the Mavs. They won against the Knicks today. They were down. I think the last. I think the last three games the Heat have played, they've been down by at least twelve points at some point in the game and come back and won. This is a matchup favorable to them. Like they're gonna, I think they might sweep the Knicks, bro. Well, if they can't get Julius Randle back on the court, then yeah, they're gonna have a hard time. They're gonna have a hard time competing with Miami. Miami's just a dog ass team, though. You know, like they all of them are just dogs. They just go out there and like Jimmy Butler's their leader, and they kind of just follow in his footsteps. They are all heart, all gas, no breaks. They never stop playing. They never think they're too far out of it. I mean, look at what they did against um, Milwaukee in the first round. Yeah, that game five. They were. I was watching. I didn't get to see. I didn't watch it because it's on NBA TV. And who I, who watches NBA TV? I don't have NBA TV. I'm not paying for that shit. But I was watching like the score ticker, and it was they were down like 12 points with like nine and a half minutes to go. And I was like, oh, so Milwaukee. You know, they they finally got a game back. They're gonna they're gonna go back to. Uh, you know, they could force a game six or game seven. And then it says overtime. And that shot by Jimmy Butler to force overtime. I know I sent you that clip. Yeah. People are saying, oh, he pushed off. He pushed off. He fouled to get to get open. But the refs didn't call it. So I don't know what you're talking about. One, but also, like, that was one of the all-time great fucking, like, buckets to, to, to tie the game. He's falling backwards and like literally he land like he has nothing to catch himself with falling backwards, just throws it up and it fucking goes right in tie game forces overtime and they end up beating Milwaukee in overtime. Oh man, there is man. There's something he's got that fucking dog in him. I've always been a fan of Jimmy Butler because you can tell he's one of those guys that when it's, when it's time, it's like, everybody get on my back. I'm he, rem- he, he, he reminds me of Kobe yes, a lot. So He's got that edge to him. I really would love for him to. I want him to get a ring too, man. Because he's like borderline Hall of Fame by the numbers. If right. If he's a ring, he's for sure in because what he's done in the play. What year was it that they went to the playoffs and he was a dog or he went to the. Finals. Finals, yeah, and he was a dog. Then he basically carried, willed that team there. That might have been the. I want to say it was the bubble year against yeah. the Lakers. Yeah, and they didn't have um, out of bio. Yeah, Bam got hurt. I think. Yeah. And yeah, they got the Knicks. I just, especially if they don't have Julius Randle. Brunson's good. Don't get me wrong. People shit on that acquisition, acquisition in the offseason, but Jalen Brunson is a ball player. Yeah, Brunson's good. He's a fun little player to watch. Like I said, I don't watch NBA religiously, but you know, if you know basketball and you tune in for the playoffs, you you know you're looking at somebody that's good compared to somebody that's not. Right. I like the Heat to pull up, but the real matchup I think is this Sixers Celtics matchup. Like this is basically a damn finals. This should have been. I mean, this in any other world, this is the Eastern Conference Finals. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think, but Embiid's having um, some knee issues, I think, so I don't think he's fully healthy. He's not, which sucks, but the Celtics haven't been playing good either. Like, No, they, they went, haven't. They went to six, and they should have dominated. I don't know what it is. They were hot all season, and sometimes that's how teams are. They're hot all season, and they get cold at the wrong time, and some teams get hot at the right time. I don't know. I feel like that's what happened with the Kings. Yeah. Against Golden State, they've been hot all year, and they kind of stalled out against a more experienced team. But uh, I think, obviously, I think the Celtics are going to win that series, but it's going to be a hard-fought series. Yeah, especially if Embiid comes back. Yeah, it depends on the health of Embiid. Because, I mean, James Harden, he doesn't have – he's not the James Harden that he was five years ago with the Rockets. No. And Maxi, I just – I like Maxie a lot. You know, he's a Kentucky boy. 
But I don't know if he has what it takes to carry a team like Embiid does. Yeah. Over a good I mean even over a very solid experienced Boston team. I mean Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, they've you know, Al Horford, they've been playing together for what, four years now? Yeah, and they've five been years now. like this for four or five years now in a row. Like they get So they're right on the edge. They're ready to to make the, the jump to the next step, you know. They made the finals last year. It's a good team. I think as much as uh, – I think the Heat match up really well with either the Sixers or the Celtics. But still, a good Celtics team is better than anybody in the league right now. Yeah. I think uh, I think one of their only weaknesses is their coach because he's not really – he didn't have a lot of experience, you know, playoff experience. But, I mean, who's to say? Oh, Doc yeah, Rivers. Doc say, Rivers has been there and done that. You know. Yeah. Also wanted to say, gosh, damn darn, motherfuck the Cavaliers. I was high on you. <laughs> I was high on you, you sons of bitches, bro. You made me look stupid. I thought they were gonna put up a better better fight than four one. And it's New York. Knicks fans are annoying. It's New York. Ah. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, but they haven't done shit in no. So why are they so 20, annoying? 30 years. The last time y'all were good it was Patrick was Ewing. Ewing's about to die. He's like 80. No, I don't know. I don't know if he's that old, but he's old. Tom Starks fucking was the last guy. <laughs> Mello, Mello. I mean, really, Mello was the last great Nick that we've yeah. seen. Them Mellow J.R. Smith teams on 2K were fun as fuck. Yeah, they were stacked. Amari Stoudemire. Mm. And Amon Shumpert. Oh. Amon Shumpert, yeah. That team could get down, bro. They were balling. I miss them days. That's pretty much everything that I have on the NBA. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think uh, the Phoenix-Denver series, I know I said five earlier, but Phoenix is better than what they played last night. I feel like um, – they just Denver came out and it was the home it was a home court for Denver so and they just kind of steamrolled them. I think Phoenix will be more prepared game two, game three, going back to Phoenix. You know, so that that'll be a good series too. That's what I love about uh I know, you know, any tournament, really any tournament style format, the bet the deeper you go in the tournament, the better the teams are, the better the matchups are. But the NBA, you really get to see who the best of the best is because it's a best of seven series. So, you know, you can beat a team once, maybe twice, but can you beat them four times yep. in seven games? That's the real testament of who is the better team. So what you're saying is the NFL and the college football playoff need to do four seven-game series. Fuck no. <laughs> That's just that's not feasible. People would be dying. <laughs> the running back in the third game would be like, uh, coach, what team do I play for? Yeah, you'd have everybody would have CTE. Yeah. That's just too hard on your body. Like there's no way to do a seven game series. I am a fan. And I think it's a really good I mean, that's what this is the only draw that the NBA has left is the playoffs because it's the only time their numbers are even worth paying attention to. Right. Nobody's watching the All Star game. Nobody's watching the dunk contest anymore. That used to be a big deal back in the day. But now you have Mac McClung in the fucking dunk contest. Used to, it was like the, the superstars were in the dunk contest. And I blame LeBron for that hot take. I blame LeBron for that because LeBron was one of the first guys that was like, oh, I'm not going to compete in the dunk contest because I might get beat. That's not what he said, but I mean, that's really what it is. Yeah, that's what it is because he didn't want to get shown up by somebody else. And now if you look at it, none of the good, none of the superstars in the league do do the dunk contest anymore. I mean, wouldn't it be great to see like John Moran and John Williamson go at it in the dunk contest? I would do that if it would, like I would pay pay-per-view to watch that. 
That's what I'm they, saying. They could sell that. You know what I'm saying? It's like John Morant, Zion Williams, high flyers, explosions, pay per view, boom, sold. Take my money. Yeah, and now you got uh, Mac McClung and Trent Murphy Jr. the third or whatever that fucking guy's name is. The guy can't even get it. He took him eight tries to do his first round dunk. And our third contestant, Zion's grandmother. What's the trampoline? Um, fucking hilarious. Yeah, NBA's got to. They should. They're supposed to be having a a mid-season tournament now. And I don't know if that's next year or in the in the coming years, but uh, apparently they're gonna have like a mid-season tournament. It's crazy that the way things have gone with the All Star celebrations, like. The only thing that people tune into anymore for all-star celebrations is baseball. Yeah, and really it's just a home run home derby. derby. Yeah, which is a sold-out event. And I mean, it's awesome, though. It's it's. I hated on it when it first started, the fucking home The timer. Derby. Yeah, but it's incredible. It's fun to watch. I mean. And there's actual it. strategy that goes into yeah. it. There's a ticking timer the whole time. Pitch clock. You get one timeout. Yeah. And then if you, what is it? If you hit, if you hit a home run over 400 foot, or what is it? Two over uh, 430, you get an extra 30 seconds. Yeah, that's right. Which is, could win you the the whole thing. So, I mean, it's a great idea. And it's highly incentivized, bro. There's a big bonus attached to it. Um, Same for the all-star game. Players don't sit out the MLB All-Star game. Like, it's an actual honor still to show up and represent your team. Like, you still have aces get on the mound for the All-Star game. Yeah. And and the MLB All-Star game is fun. I mean, even though last year it was like three to two, but. That's a baseball game. Yeah, but that's the actual game. That was the best. And you have the pitchers out there mic'd up talking. That's cool. That's really cool, too. The one that I really loved was Liam Hendricks. Yeah, he didn't know his his mic was hot, and he was like cussing. He's like, "Fuck, fuck!" He's like, "Fuck, goddamn it, fuck!" <laughs> then the catcher comes out. He's like, "Dude, you're mic'd up," and he's like, "No, it's not working. I checked." <laughs> That's just hilarious. And he's motherfucking himself. He's like, "You fat fuck, throw the strike." Yeah, that was me on the mound. Though, like, you piece of shit. Damn. But it is what it is. Since uh. Smooth transition into baseball. I'll just highlight on some of the notes that have been going around the league. The Mexico series, Mexico game was yesterday. Who was that? It was the Padres and the Tampa Bay Rays, I want to say, which apparently was beyond exhilarating. It was – hold on, let me double check. I know the Padres were wearing that – Silly looking uniform. Uh, the, like it looks like. City, uh, sh- sh- what is it? It's their City Connects uniform. Yeah, it's like uh, pink and yellow and Bright light green. green. Yeah, you wouldn't even know it was the Padres unless you looked at looked it up. It was the Padres and the Giants, and it's the Mexico City series, and the Padres won sixteen to eleven. Was, is it just one game, or is it like a whole series down there? No, nah, it's just one game, and there was 11 home runs in this game. Damn. The elevation at that stadium is 2,000 feet above Coors Field, which is the highest in America's field. So the ball was, just, it was like fucking zipping out of there, wasn't it? It carries, bro. And I don't – I'm sure people understand how the high elevation works – like the higher you are up, the the less dense the, the air is. Yeah, the thinner the air is. Yeah. So when I played in Roswell, West Coast, it was very high elevation. It was considered a hitter's league. And basically all stats are inflated offensive-wise because the ball carried so much. And I'm just telling a story here because I'm playing into the elevation thing. There was a guy on my team that – we played 33 games, 
I want to say over a two month span or something like that. And he had 38 home runs. Damn it. Yes. And he's not cracking the big leagues. That's how much elevation played in. Like if you, if you hit a ball pretty much squared up, like it was leaving the yard. Was he on roids though? He was a big dude. I mean, I didn't know the guy that well. I just, I was the pitcher that, came in and struck guys out. So that also plays to my benefit more. So I had good numbers that says I was better than those hitters in that ele- in, that, in their elevation. They could have took me yard and nobody fucking did. I'm just bragging. There you go. Well, that's what they need to do in baseball. They just need to build, redo the stadiums and just build them all like 2,000 foot above sea level. It's like searching for land. They're just going to build – they're going to buy out a bunch of dirt and they're just going to put stadiums on top of mountains in the middle. You know, like, hey, you drive through Cincinnati. It's like, hey, what's that mountain over there? Oh, that's just the Great American Ballpark. Yeah. <laughs> All you have to do is tap it and the ball yeah. goes out. You can bunt a home run. It would fix baseball. People's numbers would be inflated. It'd be fun. It would be like watching a lit, like a softball game, a yeah. slow pitch softball game. And if a pitcher's good. It all just says all that much more. It's like, this guy's having a great year. His ERA is a four. <laughs> His ERA is under five. Wow. <laughs> oh my he's, God. Got, he's got 12 strikeouts for the entire year. Wow. It's been good, though. Baseball's been fun this year. A lot of teams are playing really well, unfortunately. So, what's the deal with St. Louis? Apparently, they're not good. When they're, they were supposed to be good this year, they're not that good. It seems this is like St. Louis's thing. They do this every. They suck in the beginning of the year, and then they're always like red hot at the end. Yep, and they don't have a staple on their team anymore. And Yadier Molina, he was that clubhouse. Like he was what came to the right. ball field and brought that energy and that you know, like come out here in business. So I think they're going through a regime change. Yeah, they're trying to find their identity. Yeah, and it'll. It'll come because they still have, you know, Wainwright's still there, but he's hurt. He'll be back. Um, they got Goldie. Goldie. Don't they? Aaron Otto, uh, Wilson Contreras from the Cubs. They got Tyler They got a couple Williams. young guys, too. Jordan Walker's really good, but he got sent back down to AAA. But they have got Nolan Gorman. Uh, forgetting guys. Dylan Car- Carlson. They've got a bunch of dudes. They never should have traded Harrison Bader. No, Bader is a really good piece, but it also doesn't fit into their scheme of young guys coming through. Like Dylan Carlson, he's a switch hitting center fielder. I mean, he's a good ball player. And I think for the time being, you know, that was a piece that was good trade leverage. I do like Harrison Bader. I think I think he's got the chance to be a really good player. What about the uh, McNeil cat? Not McNeil, um, O'Neal. O'Neal. Tyler Tyler O'Neal. I mean, he was hurt. A lot of last year, but a couple years ago, he was in the MVP race for a majority of the season. 2020 almost won. I think he placed like fourth or fifth. Yeah. The, the COVID year, he was a really good player. You know who that guy reminds me of? Who? Fucking Jeff Oliver. Dude. I don't know if it's because he's number 27 and, he's huge. and he plays for the Cardinals or what. But Dude, every time I see that cat, I'm like, "Dude, that's Jeff Oliver right there." I, I see the symbol, and they're like, "It's the it's the facial features." Yes, yeah, yes, it's very much the same looking cat. I I can see it now. Tyler O'Neill is fast as fuck. Jeff Oliver, you're slow as fuck. I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> my guy, though. I love you. <laughs> you're not you're not fast. Bro, you, got, you guys hit the ball pretty well, though. I'll give you that. He hits the hardest shit. It's the hardest shit. I'll give you that. Uh, a good surprise team in the MLB is the uh, Pirates, man. They're leading the Central. They're they're playing. Out. And they don't even have their their best young talent. And O'Neal's Cruz, he broke his foot in a collision at the plate. He They're playing out of their fucking minds. I think they're like 17 or 18 wins already. 20 wins. They're 20 and 9, the Pirates. Yeah. But haven't they been good in the past, and then they kind of fell off? I mean, I can't. They haven't been good since Andrew McCutcheon. I mean, I don't know they got Andrew McCutcheon back, and he's playing out of his mind. But back whenever 
he first became like a huge, like not huge, but you know, he was a first become like a all star. Yeah. That was, they were uh, good back 2012, then. 2013, they beat the Reds in the playoffs, and all of Pittsburgh was chanting, Cueto, Cueto, because Johnny Cueto was pitching. And then uh, Cueto dropped the ball on the mound. Balked. And then gave up a fucking home run. We basically lost the game because of that. And that haunts me till this day. Till this day. Till this day, it's going in right there. Well, baseball's good. The Rays are unbelievable, of course. The Mets are cursed, even though they are 15 and 12. They're still above 500. They're floating without their best players. Yeah, um, nothing phases me anymore with the Mets. Like, their whole entire roster could just get hurt. And I'd be like, yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's the curse of the Mets. Maybe it's Cohen. Maybe he's bad luck just because he has all the money. No, I'm telling you, we've already talked about this. It's the Bobby Monia shit. Yeah. As long as we're paying him, we will never win another World Series. Yeah. I I don't understand why they don't just pay him out. Yeah. The Reds are still paying Griffey, if that tells you anything. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's dumb. We might as well put him in a fucking jersey and get him on the field. At least make him like, I know we said this before on the podcast, but at least like put him in the dugout, you know? It's like, make me believe that he might come into the game and I'm okay with it. Or just have him in the bullpen, just hanging out. Put him on deck one time, fake us out, and then don't put him on deck. (laughs) Put him in the bat. It's like something. I know this has been a complete sports episode, which we haven't done. In a little bit because sports, I mean, football ran out on us. March Madness ended. But I feel like this was a good, clean episode for us to run. You know, the NBA playoffs are hot. Draft happened. Baseball's in full effect. Also, we have another large event, and then we can wrap it up after this. UFC 288 is coming. I don't know if you've looked into it, but headliner is um, – Sejudo, 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 Henry Sejudo. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out, do I bet on him or not? Who's he fighting? That's what I'm looking up. I had it in my He hasn't fought in forever. That's what I'm saying. I had it all pulled up just one second ago, and now I've lost everything. Good job, JD. Would have put dead air. It is Sejudo Sejudo versus Sterling. Aljamain Sterling. That's a title fight. The title. Wow. Yeah. I'm taking Sterling. If anybody makes it this far into the episode and you need to give me betting odds, what am I what am I putting on this? We need to open betting odds some more. So we need all of our people who bet to give us bets, and then we'll make a. We'll make a Cozy and Murph bet page or whatever. We'll make like a spreadsheet or something of yeah. like bets. We'll start putting our bets out there and be like, take this. And then you can blame us when you lose and not blame yourself. And then you can tell your wife, well, what the fuck tards that I listened to told us that this is a lock. They told us to bet our mortgages <laughs> on the Browns this season. And we did it. What even is a brown? Apparently, it's a dog, I guess. Call them the Cleveland Bulldogs, and I'll be happy. I'll be okay with that. Who's winning the Super Bowl this year? Well, I'm looking at the odds right now, and it says Chiefs are plus 600, 49ers are plus 700. So. 49ers plus 700. 49ers got to get a quarterback, though. Yeah, what are the Eagles at? I don't know. They're not on the list. What the fuck? Oh, here they are. They're seven. Let's see. Seven fifty. Damn. Yeah. Bengals eight fifty. Jets fourteen hundred. Let's go. Damn. That's actually a really good bet. I'd like to see the Jets in the Super Bowl. Honestly, I would love that for Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. I used to pick Jets on uh, 
my creative player or whatever I'd, the, when I build a player just because it's fun. Just because they suck so bad. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And it's like the I'll Falcons. The Falcons are plus seven thousand. You never well, there you get that money back. But the Jets, that's a, actually a really good bet at fourteen hundred. I don't think they'll make the Super Bowl. They might make the playoffs, though. Yeah, they might win the Super Bowl. I mean, their divisions. Yeah, but I think it's going to take more than one year for Rodgers to to go in there and just be the same Rodgers he was in Green Bay. I don't know. Tom Brady didn't. True. But Tom Brady, I feel like the Bucs had a better roster than – the Jets did do. I don't know. It all remains to be seen. Yeah. If the Jets win the Super Bowl, I will come out and say that this shit's rigged. You if say it anyway. <laughs> say it anyway. So it doesn't matter. Wins the Super Bowl, it's rigged as fuck. It's fucking rigged against Philadelphia. All right. Let's put a wrap on her. All right. If you, um, like you said, if you made it this far, thanks for listening. It's been another episode of Cozy and Murph. We we uh, appreciate your support. You know, don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, whatever bullshit that you that you have on your little app that you're listening to. Um, show some love. Yeah, show some love. We show it back. Yes, sir. Got like 2,000 views on some of the reels that I've put out on YouTube and TikTok and um, it's cozy on air is my TikTok that I do our stuff on, but we will be creating and working towards it. I'm trying to learn a lot of shit and how algorithm algorithms work. We're going to create a cozy and Murph TikTok, So we'll both have access to that. And I got to teach Murph how to do social media and we'll start, uh, working some things. So be on the lookout. When I post a reel, don't look at it and don't do anything about it. If you are a real one, you know, do something about it, share it, laugh at it. Give me something. I need feedback. Aside from that, love you. Thank you. Peace. Peace out.